G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. We are going to be talking about courage to face a future. We're going to be chatting with a pro-life advocate and really going to talk through some of the things that happen in a day-to-day environment that he finds himself in. And of course, uh, with COVID-19 dominating the headlines everywhere, it seems to be the only story in town. And while we're deeply concerned for families losing loved ones to COVID, uh, another statistic might shock you. This year, there have been about 2,000 young human lives deliberately ended by abortion for every person who's said to have died from the COVID virus. Our special guest today takes his pro-life advocacy to the streets, where these days... Faces are covered by masks. Now, he is, just for context, in the state of Queensland and so is able to be on the streets. Uh, There isn't the lockdown that's being experienced right now in New South Wales and in Victoria. If you're wondering about lockdown status and where he's coming from, it does appear to be harder than ever to break the apathy that people have regarding the plight for unborn babies in the womb. Longtime pro-life campaigner Graham Preston, who leads Protect Life, is back with us today. He is the Christian man with enough courage to stand on a street corner holding up a sign, drawing attention to the plight of unborn babies. Now, you'll be shocked to know that Graham Preston has been jailed six times for his Christian pro-life stance. He's also deeply invested in opposing the upcoming vote in Queensland on the euthanasia bill to legalise assisted suicide. Uh, We'll no doubt talk about a a bunch of these issues through the coming hour. Graham Preston is a walking, talking example of the level of courage perhaps needed to stand for truth and righteousness in this day and age. Uh, Graham Preston, a special welcome back to 2020. Thank you very much, Neil. Graham, I'm not sure you heard our earlier conversation. We've been talking about protests on the streets of Sydney and Melbourne. Some of those protests uh, went pretty wild in Melbourne. Uh, police hospitalised uh, violence that we're not used to seeing. Um, then there's uh, you know Christians who were fined for meeting in a church uh, setting. And uh, so some disturbing things that happened. But I wonder if, because we're going to be talking about protesting today, you might have your own perception and perhaps your own ethos of what it is to stand for truth and righteousness in in the way that you might see those sorts of things happening. And of course, uh, your context is standing for the unborn, for children not yet born. Abortion is a big issue uh, in every state and territory around Australia, but perhaps a context here on what you feel about the idea of protesting. Well, obviously, I feel that it is a legitimate and a necessary action that Christians need to take at appropriate times. Uh, I have been involved in protesting, uh, speaking up. I wouldn't even necessarily call it a protest, but simply speaking up on behalf of the defenceless uh, for many years. And uh, it, it, 
as uh, you mentioned, Neil, that um, it's become increasingly difficult to get people to pay attention to what is actually happening with the unborn children who are being taken into the abortion clinics during this time of COVID. It's not surprising people's attention is focused on uh, health concerns, but I would encourage all listeners to not ever forget what goes on every day where children are deliberately taken to have their lives ended. And uh, that's been going on all over these last 18 months. The abortion clinics have remained open. And so I've believed it's necessary uh, to be out on the streets to continue to speak on their behalf, even during this time that's uh, very challenging with COVID. I mentioned that statistic in the introduction, 2,000 babies aborted for every one life lost to COVID. I mean, there's a context there that people are not necessarily considering very deeply because it makes your cause particularly important, Graham. Well, I, I do think that sort of figure, I mean, the number might be a little bit less now because some more people have uh, been attributed to of dying from COVID, but it's roughly around that figure. And, uh, you know, we're concerned about the possibility of people dying from COVID, and that's certainly legitimate. But at the same time, there are actual children deliberately being killed now. And uh, I think that's the thing we cannot allow ourselves to forget. In our concerns about our own situation and those of other born people, we must never forget those who are being deliberately taken to be killed. And quite possibly the number of abortions is increasing during COVID, during times of stress and uncertainty. People might feel less confident about letting their child live. And uh, so quite probably the number of abortions is increasing during this time and makes it all the more urgent that we continue to speak up for them. People at their wits' end, and that might be one of the primary motivating factors for people to be out on the street and having taking part in a COVID protest, but people don't appear to be at their wits' end with the loss of 2,000 babies per life lost for COVID. Uh, this is one of the things that... I mean, in your whole career of being uh, like a protester who's uh, always there, rain, hail or shine, you find it hard to believe, Graham, that people are not at their wits' end, given this is the sort of you know numbers we're talking about. Yes, it is. It's very disturbing that um, we have become used to it. I mean, uh, this is something that we have learned to live with, and uh, I don't think that is right, that as Christian people, um, if... We, I mean, many of us have said for years that abortion takes the life of a fellow human being, a human being made in God's image like the rest of us, and yet we have got used to this, and uh, the number of people speaking out against it has hugely diminished, especially since the abortion has been legalized virtually right around the country now. And uh, simply because it's been made legal doesn't mean that we should accept it. Uh, you know, if we would not say that if slavery were to be reinstituted and made legal again, we could just simply learn to live with that, that would be a terrible wrong. And it's equally so with abortion. It's not something we just should learn to live with, which sadly many, including many Christians, have done so. And as every day goes by, it's not as though the job of bringing change gets easier. It's easier to stop the legislation from passing than it is to change the legislation once it's through. And this comes to the fore, doesn't it, uh, with the other big pro-life issue right now in the state of Queensland where the euthanasia legislation could be voted on within the next couple of weeks. Uh, your thoughts here? Uh, yes, that's quite right. Uh, to try to stop something is certainly easier than to try to change it after it's been legalised. 
and uh, and and sadly, I think that's what's happened with abortion. Many people have given up. They think, well, it's too hard now. We can't do anything, and that's they've given up. Uh, with euthanasia, we still are not at that point of it having been legalised here in Queensland. In other places around other states in Australia, they have legalised it, but we are on the precipice right now. Uh, it could be in two weeks' time. Um, they could have a vote here in Queensland or sometime during the month of September. The Parliament sits twice during September. Not sure exactly when it will uh, come up for a vote, but it could be at the next sitting or the one after that. So, yes, um, this is for Queenslanders who haven't done anything yet or who are willing to do something further. We would encourage them to, at, even at this last minute, to contact their local member and tell them on they don't want them to vote for this legislation. And uh, there are going to be uh, peaceful protests outside Parliament House on the morning when the um, vote is being taken. And uh, I would encourage people to contact me to find out about joining us for that. Uh, we'll talk more about that upcoming protest that will be on. And, uh, you know, in the context of what we're talking about, hopefully it'll be a lawful protest. And uh, and there might be some who might be there uh, pushing the boundary there. And uh, maybe for those when it comes to that vote, there could even be that uh, idea of civil disobedience. And, uh, and uh, I won't put you on the spot here to suggest whether you might break the law on the day, Graham. What I really want to talk about today is this idea of courage, the ability to stand firm in the face of all sorts of adversity. And uh, when I said, you know, you'd been jailed six times, that in itself uh, is a uh, runs on the board when it comes to having Christian courage. And uh, sometimes when I'm talking with friends about what it is to be courageous. Sometimes Graham Preston's name will come up, so maybe you're being talked about more than you think, but in a good light here, because this idea of having courage to be able to face the sort of criticism that can come when you are making a Christian stand. Now, it doesn't matter what thing you might be standing for, if it's for the Christian cause of that stand, you may find yourself facing all sorts of opposition. You, Graham, and I wonder whether we can just go onto the streets in our minds for a moment here just to get an idea what happens perhaps typically for you when you are standing for the unborn on the streets. It's not unusual for people to yell abuse and uh, and to, and I think you've even been physically uh, accosted at times. What sort of, uh, you know, take us onto the streets and a day in the life of Graham Preston. Yes, well, uh, in recent years I've been going to many different locations around Brisbane in the CBD and suburbs wherever there's a lot of traffic during the morning peak hour, a lot of pedestrians. So as to keep the issue in front of people's faces, I think this is the thing that people just want to try to forget about it and pretend it's not happening. And I think that's the worst thing that we can let happen. And so I want to keep it before people. And uh, I have a range of different word signs I use, but also always carry a picture of an eight-week-old pre-born baby so people can see what it is that uh, is being killed. They can't tell themselves, oh, I didn't realise that's what a, a baby looked like. Because it's around eight weeks is the average age that abortions are done at. And so I want them to be able to see that. And I have a statement. last one I was using for earlier this year was just simply, life is beautiful alongside the baby picture. Now, that one I would have thought was the least uh, distressing for people to see in, in, in many respects, least confrontational anyway, and yet many people are angered simply by making that statement. At the moment, I'm using one that reads, this is not a potato. 
and I want people to think to themselves, well, of course it's not a potato. I mean, this is one everybody can agree with. I mean, nobody can say that's a potato. Everyone knows it's not. So we all agree, and I want them to say to themselves, well, what is this? And uh, have to force them to say to themselves, well, what is this a picture of? And um, so I go out early in the morning. As I say, I'm on the streets before 7. And uh, as I say, some places there's just lots of road traffic and not many pedestrians. Other places in the CBD, there's lots of pedestrians outside the uh, railway station and so on. I've, you know, 50 to 100 people standing across the road from me waiting for the lights to change. And it's very interesting just to watch them. When they're right across the street, they'll all look and see what the sign says. But as they approach me, they'll look away, look at the road, look anywhere but at the uh, signs. Not all of them. Uh, some of them will uh, come right up to me and uh, shout in my face. And um, so, yes, it, it, you never know what's going to happen from one minute to the next. And so that, that, that takes a bit of getting used to. I don't deny that. And you have to have a pretty thick skin. You've got to be willing to accept that um, uh, people will be aggressive towards you. Only occasionally have people been physically aggressive. That, of course, is even more unpleasant. But uh, being shouted at and um, unfortunately those that shout tend not to want to engage in a conversation and so you just have to let them vent and uh, and go on because they're not willing to listen to anything you've got to say. Uh, every so often somebody does stop and who is willing to talk with you and that is very encouraging. But um, yeah, from, from one moment to the next you don't know what's going to happen and uh, so... Um, couple of hours on the street like that uh, is pretty draining by the end of the time and uh but uh if i didn't believe that um uh god was with me i i wouldn't get out of bed and go so uh i i do believe i mean i've prayed a lot and given a lot of thought about this and because i know it does cause distress for some people and I, that's the last thing i want to do is distress people i want to cause people to think uh both those who've had abortions and those who are thinking about them i want them to to think about what they're planning to do or what they have done uh because hopefully those who are planning to have an abortion when they see their what the bible looks like uh when they think about what it is that they're going to do that will help them change their mind for those who've had abortions i want them to think well what have i done and uh and then seek help that they need so I think the worst thing we can do is to be silent. So it's very difficult, but I think it is necessary that we can speak. Okay, now. the worst thing you can do is be silent. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Well, we're talking courage and Christian conviction for truth and righteousness. Our special guest is Graham Preston. He leads Protect Life. He's been jailed six times. So we talk courage. He's not afraid of going through all of the circumstances. 1-800-316-316. Or you can respond to today's Facebook question. Do you think having a thick skin and learning to handle critics is a necessary skill for Christians to learn? Facebook.com forward slash Vision Radio. Let's take Take a call or two, Graham. Uh, let's hear from Costa, who's in the Wimmera in Victoria. Hello, Costa. Welcome. Uh, good morning. What are your thoughts, Costa? Um, I just wanted to share my personal experience. Just uh, not, not. I'll try to make it uh, quick. Um, I grew up as a Jehovah's Witness, actually. Uh, became a Christian later on in life, uh, and you know, I, I have to go door knocking, and uh, boy, do you need a thick skin for that. And 
you know, over the years, uh, knocking on people's doors and being rejected time after time and being uh, ridiculed and derided by the rest of society, yeah, you develop a thick skin, but it's not always okay. Just because everybody else that you're with is also uh, being um, rejected and constantly and, uh, oh, well, what do you expect and, and all the platitudes that come with that, Slowly, slowly, it does. It, in my case, it, it started to eat away at my uh, my love for humanity. I mean, I got to the point where I was I would call myself a, a misanthropist, uh, and the only thing that fixed that really was becoming a Christian, was being born again, and uh, and all of a sudden I knew something had changed because instead of hating humanity, I actually started to love my fellow man. <laughs> <laughs> I went door knocking. Costa, um, you raised some really important questions in there. The idea that uh, if you are under constant pressure, that uh, your thoughts about humanity can be diminished. Uh, Graham Preston, what are your thoughts for Costa? Uh, that's, that's a very good point because uh, uh, it's not always easy to love somebody who's shouting in your face, uh, extremely angry and so on, but unless you do care about that person, there's no point being there. So you can't get angry with them despite the way they're treating you. You have to, and this is truly only by God's grace, you can care about that person. And so that's absolutely essential. You can't go out there in a combative spirit and uh, let them upset you and become angry. You have to always care or else there's no point being there. Costa, thank you so much for calling through. A great insight to offer there today. Let's take another call. Sterling is in Ararat in Victoria. Hello, Sterling. Hello, Jeff. Good morning. Good morning, Graham. Graham, I admire your work greatly. It's really great to see someone standing up the way you are. But down here in Victoria, um, it's actually illegal to protest in and around uh, abortion clinics, which is pretty irksome. And the other point I wanted to make was I find the sheer hypocrisy of these state governments really upsetting in that, on one hand, abortion's legal. Uh, assisted suicide is legal and looks like becoming legal in Queensland. But on the other hand, you better wear a mask when you go out because we're all about saving lives. Good thoughts there, Sterling. Uh, Graham? Yes, well, it's true here also, Sterling, that uh, I'm no longer able to be outside the abortion clinics without getting arrested. So I do go, just as I said earlier, to anywhere where there's lots of people, lots of traffic. So, um, and when I do go near the abortion clinics, I am outside the 150 metres. But, um, yes, I agree with you. The double standard that we have about uh, forcing the masks while, meanwhile, we just allow children to be deliberately killed is just almost beyond belief. And uh, and yet that's the way our society has gone. And, uh, and, and the less people speak up on behalf of the unborn, the more they will be just forgotten about and... Um, their plight will just be completely ignored, which is largely the case now. Sterling in Ararat, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. Interesting motivation to talk about, a motivation by love, and uh, it doesn't look like being nice uh, because uh, when you're on the streets, you're holding up a sign that's confronting, Mm -hmm. uh, and yet you would say, Graham, that's a motivation to hold that sign up that's coming from a love, a position of love in your own heart. That's a good point, Neil. And uh, yes, my critics will accuse me of being unloving and uh, and I can appreciate from their point of view that 
to you know scratch the sore, take the scab off the wound is a difficult thing. But for those who've had abortions, to just try to cover it up and pretend and forget, pretend it didn't happen, try to forget about it is not the right thing. It's not helpful for them. They need to face up what was done and repent and seek forgiveness so they can move on and and uh, be forgiven for what has happened. And so it is not doing them any favours by remaining silent. And for those that <coughs> are thinking of having an abortion, it's surely a loving thing to help warn them. I mean, if the bridge was down, we would be standing at the bridge warning people don't try to cross. We would, I would say the same is true here, that we must be prepared to try to warn people so they don't end up uh, wrecking their child's life and, and harming themselves. Is it men or women who can be the most aggressive uh, when you are uh, you know, holding up your sign and uh, there's this confrontation that comes? Uh, is there a particular balance that you've noticed anecdotally, uh, anecdotally? Yes, well, generally speaking, I would say overall uh, men are both more responsive positively and more responsive negatively. Women, I think, tend... I mean, not to say there's not the exceptions, and certainly there are both ways, but overall, men are the ones who tend to be more responsive. I don't know if there's just a difference between males and females or what, but uh, I get more friendly responses from men and more aggressive negative ones from men. So that is very interesting, but um, there will be the women who will also be friendly and those who are unfriendly, but not as many as men. Courage to be able to stand on the street. And you said, Graham, that's cultivated uh, just a minute or so out from news the way you might think about cultivating the sort of courage that you've had to cultivate over the years uh, where do you start with that oh well i think one of the biblical passages that i find most uh, helpful is that occasion when jesus and the disciples were in the boat and the storm came and they woke up jesus and he stilled the storm and he said to them he didn't say thanks guys for waking me up he said you know why were you afraid have you no faith and I think that's the challenge to Jesus gives to us. He says, you know, even if you think you're going to die, you still trust me. And I remind myself of that every time I go out. Jesus says to me, you know, where is your faith? You know, why are you afraid? Don't you trust me? And that helps to know that he's with me and I do not need to be afraid. I'm not likely to die out on the streets. I mean, it could happen, but I'm not likely to. But uh, I trust that I'll trust Jesus right up until the last. We'll talk more after news, almost like you could have this wool pulled over your eyes that says you're supposed to keep your faith within the four walls of your church. Graham Preston, example of taking faith onto the street, a stance for truth and righteousness. We're talking courage. We'll take calls in just a few moments. Graham, though, to ask you about the sorts of people who'll come and confront you while you're holding up a sign on the street. And uh, we mentioned that there's a motivation of love uh, that you would have in holding up a sign and you're there to defend the rights of the unborn. People will go to also to almost uh, significant lengths to be able to try and offend you in some way or try to distract you or try to put up an alternative message. Uh, what stories come to mind? Ah, yes. Well, recently I had two young fellows uh, who'd obviously just driven by and seen me and then stopped and quickly made up their own signs, uh, just scribbled in bio on cardboard, and so they couldn't even be read by the passing traffic. But uh, just to tell you what they had on them, one fellow had written on his abortion rocks, rocks, abortion rocks, and the other guy had 
honk to kill a baby. And I couldn't help but think how tragic it was that that was what these fellows wanted to communicate to the passing world in opposition to me, honk to kill a baby. And uh, and yet they were getting waves and uh, people were responding to them positively. Uh, it was it was truly, I think, very pathetic. What surprised me, though, was when they left, <coughs> one of them said to me, well, mate, you've got stronger commitment than we have. Good job. And do you know how long they'd been there standing beside me? Five minutes. So <laughs> yeah. they gave up pretty quickly. But, uh, yeah, it was interesting that response he gave to me at the end. Interesting when you say how quick we we might all sort of turn uh, the blowtorch onto ourselves and say how quickly we might give up. Uh, you've been doing this year on year on year for a long, long time. In fact, I think I've known you for 25 years and you've been doing this consistently all this time, being that voice, sometimes feeling like you're crying in the wilderness and uh, who's listening. But you've been doing this a long time. The idea of getting a conviction and then making a process of your life to say, I'm going to stand on that conviction through thick or thin, that's, I guess, is part of one of those skills we're talking about uh, learning when it comes to how you get a thick skin, how you get a conviction like this. How do you get to be someone who can, for 25 years, stand by that conviction through thick or thin, rain, hail or shine, even prison? Yeah, well, uh, that's an interesting question, Neil. I, I certainly didn't see this as the way my life was going to develop. Uh, it's probably about 30 years now since I've, very first time I went outside an abortion clinic in Brisbane and uh, offered people help there. And uh, I didn't know where it was going to lead me, but um, it was just a case of, as time went by, of trying to determine what really matters, how important is this? I mean, do the lives of these children really matter or not? And I couldn't shake the conviction that Yes, I couldn't see any reason why these lives were of less value and were disposable. And so I have remained open to God's leading with this uh, as best I can to understand whether it is something that we should make a stand on. As far as I've been able to tell over all these years, yes, it is. And uh, so I have continued to do so. And until God tells me otherwise, I, I, I trust I'll continue. And, uh, yeah, it's just uh, simply out of matter of conviction of the value of the life of the child. We're taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Let's talk to Latika in Western Australia. Hello, Latika. Welcome along. Hello, Neil. Um, thank you for having me. What are your thoughts, Latika? Um, so in society these days, um, I'm seeing that, um, especially people around my age, I'm 27, um, they feel that Christians are there to judge and um, actually to bring condemnation. Um, now, we know as Christians that Jesus came to bring... Um, he will convict us, as you were just speaking about before, but he did not come to condemn. Um, so my question in regards to this topic is, how, Graham, do you bring um, the message that Jesus brought of grace and, um, and complete forgiveness, regardless of what... Um, one of these mums or even dads has um, gone through decisions that they've made. Um, how do you portray that, um, yeah, the, the unconditional grace and love of Christ? Um, how do you bring that when you're protesting? That's my question to you today. Great insight, great question. Graham, your thoughts for Latika? Yes, well, that is, it is very important what you've said there. Uh, I, I think that 
well, one thing I would mention straight off is that if this was the only thing I was involved with, then I think that would be a greater concern. But uh, 26 years ago, my wife and I realized that we couldn't just simply say this is wrong. We needed to be providing uh, direct assistance to people who find themselves with unplanned pregnancy and who think abortion is their only option. And so we started a uh, crisis pregnancy centre then, and it continues to run. And uh, so we believe it is absolutely necessary that you can't simply say something is wrong. You have to, if you possibly can, provide assistance for those who are in difficulty. And so that is what we did and continue to do. As far as when I'm simply on the street, though, with our sign, and you can only make one brief statement... Uh, on a sign and you can't tell a whole story I think what people need to be made aware of that there is something that is wrong for a start before they will even be willing to consider uh, uh, other things and so I would see this as just one step and not being able to say everything in one go I think we've got to make our society conscious of what is happening that we are ending the lives of these children and I think that's a, an essential and a very important first step and so I wouldn't try to pretend that my being there is saying everything it isn't but it is touching people's consciences and I think we need to start there that people need to see there is something wrong and that is I try to be very careful in what I put on the signs to not be obviously people do feel convicted if you say anything about abortion I mean this is over the years I've tried to think well what could you say that doesn't bring uh, or doesn't upset people and I don't think there is anything I mean I think people are very sensitive to this because when you think about it, I mean a woman has chosen to put herself in a situation where she ends her child's life and so they're going to be very sensitive to that and but as I said, to just simply say, well, because that could upset them to raise the subject, we won't talk about it, I don't think that is the right thing either. And so I think we have to take the risk of raising the subject, risking that people are going to get upset, but pray that they will then seek the help they need. Latika, thank you so much for your call. And uh, for people who are thinking, uh, well, let me just have a little look and see what Graham's talking about, the sort of service provided by he and his wife, Liz. There is a website for Priceless Life. It's pricelesslife.org. Uh, that idea of pregnancy help, uh, the practical way of bringing any sort of balance uh, when there are critics to recognise that this is coming from a place of love, so, so important. Pricelesslife.org. Thank you, Latika, for your call. Taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Cheryl in Mackay in Queensland. Hello, Cheryl. Welcome along. Cheryl, Hello. are you with How us? are you, Neil? Good, Thanks Cheryl. What are your thoughts? Hello. Uh, number one, I don't believe that we have to have a thick skin um, because... If we know how much God loves us, the, the skin doesn't need to be thick we, because we can love others as much as we're loved. Number one, that's number one. Number two, I commend Graham on his um, following up, not just um, anti-abortion, but with a, a um, 
a program that helps because part of that um, planned parenting never tells you the other option. It it doesn't give you an op doesn't give you many options. Now I've never been to planned parenting, but I have considered abortion. I'm a child of the 50s, um, so in the 60s when I was pregnant, it was an option because of of my life that was being um, rolled out with my family, um, but I didn't have the abortion. The other thing is, in, as I go through my Christian walk, I have met many people who have had abortions. Um, those that are Christians uh, can have forgiveness for that. Um, those that aren't Christians are tormented. It doesn't matter what they've, you know, what they've made the decision. That torment still goes on until they resolve it. Um, so there's lots of issues um, with the board. Cheryl, you're making uh, wonderful points here. Let's get a response from Graham. Graham, your thoughts for Cheryl? Yes, well, uh, yes, I agree that the thick-skinned comment I made earlier probably wasn't the most appropriate one. All I meant by that was that, because uh, I certainly don't think we should be callous, but we need to be willing to take criticism. And I think it is very tempting to... Uh, when people are critical of us to just keep our mouths shut or to walk away and, and uh, because it is very difficult. And in that sense, I think Christians have got to be prepared to wear criticism and not let it deter us and stop us from speaking in love the truth. And so I, th- I, w- I would say that. Cheryl, thank you so much. Uh, some good points made there. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. You can also respond to today's Facebook question. Our 2020 Facebook question says, Do you think having a thick skin and learning to handle critics is a necessary skill for Christians to learn? Facebook.com forward slash Vision Radio. Uh, some comments coming through on Facebook, Graham. Kirsty says, I don't want to have a thick skin. Here's another thick skin comment. Uh, I always want to respond in love. What the world thinks of me is none of my business. What are your thoughts for those uh, comment, that comment from Kirsty? Yes, well, I'd say the same as I Christy, just rather. Uh, to the last person about uh, what I meant by thick skin. But uh, what the world thinks about me is none of my business. Now, it's an interesting one. Um, insofar as I would agree that uh, uh, if, if the world hates us and, and is critical of us, yes, we don't need to take that on board. And, uh, but I think that is very tempting to do so. So, yeah, I, I think that is right that um, we don't need to listen to them because, you know, I have people tell me, oh, you're going to go to hell, God hates you, and so on. And um, I, I review what they've said, and uh, I, God has not convicted me that they're telling me the truth. So, yes, we don't need to take on board what the world says to us. I'm just thinking of a biblical illustration here. And, uh, you know, when we're told in Ephesians chapter 6 about the armor of God, uh, the thing we hold high is our shield of faith that extinguishes the fiery darts of the enemy. And there is a certain sense here, you could say thick skin, you could say uh, the armor of God, hold high your shield of faith. Mm -hmm. Because if you're standing for truth and righteousness, you want to be able to have those fiery darts 
extinguished. Is that a reasonable way of talking yes. about how, how you respond to these things by faith, Graham? Oh, yes. I very consciously uh, put on the armor of God each morning as I go out. So, <laughs> yes, I think that's good in now. Carolyn says, yes, and I need and want to learn these skills for me as an Aboriginal Christian. What are your thoughts for Carolyn? Yes, well, uh, I'm not quite sure, Carolyn. Uh, what, um, uh, I, I guess it's in a general sense for all Christians that um, it's just learning to walk closely with Jesus as we go about our daily business and that will enable us to, when the challenges come, to be able to handle them, I think. So I, I don't think it's something that we just prepare ourselves for specific occasions. It just needs to be our normal daily walk and uh, we are then, God gives us the grace to be able to uh, speak and act rightly as needed. But um, I think what you're saying is uh, this is beyond skin colour or racial background, uh, perhaps it's beyond uh, whether you're rich or poor. The idea of having a, a shield of faith, uh, uh, an ability to be able to handle criticisms as a Christian believer, doesn't matter what background you come from, uh, those sorts of things perhaps do need to be cultivated. Uh, some people might be thinking that it comes naturally to some. You know, you're, you're born with a thick skin in that sense. Uh, that's not necessarily the case, Graham, because, I mean, I know you and I've known you for a long time and, uh, and there's a certain softness about you that wouldn't indicate that you're a guy with, a, as you say, a calloused, thick skin. Uh, yes, I don't think it's something that comes naturally. Uh, I mean, those people scare me, though. I think that uh, don't have any <laughs> concerns. I think we need to be sensitive uh, and at the same time, though, not allow our sensitivities to um, prevent us from making the stand when we need to. So, yes, it's, it's a debt balance and uh, we need to continually be willing to work on it. But uh, I think we need to have both of those things at the same time, a sensitivity but also a willingness to stand when we need to. Let's take another call, an anonymous caller. Welcome along. Hello, good morning. I just would like to um, say that my experience, a woman uh, who became a young girl who was pregnant in the 70s and uh, was encouraged to have an abortion, but something inside of me just didn't want to do it. Longer story short, I went and had this abortion. And at that time, it was illegal. This is in New Zealand. I'm from New Zealand. But a longer story short, I'm so grateful for all the information and the people that are out there to bring awareness because there was no one around me. I lived with years of fear until I became a born-again Christian and the Spirit of God came in. And then it took a lot of healing in my womb and in my spirit. What I saw in myself years in walking with God, the after effect, but it stayed with me a long, long time. There was a lot of healing for myself. You know, I think uh, listeners will be able to uh, identify those sorts of things in their own hearts and lives too, uh, that when you have this relationship with God, you have some capacity for 
healing beyond the abortion. Uh, For those who don't have faith in God, uh, they are uh, on their own in some sense. Uh, But Graham, your thoughts for our listener today? Yes, well, I I do think that the point you made about uh, the healing after the abortion is just so important, and uh, that's one of the programs that uh, my wife is involved with. She's done particular training with helping women after they've had abortions because it can be just so devastating and take so much time and for them to to recover from what they have done. And so I would just encourage people who may have had abortions and who have not experienced healing to to seek out those who have had training in that area because uh, it is just... She sees women who've had abortions 30, 40 years before and uh, are still struggling with what they did. And uh, so there's a program called Hope Alive that is specifically designed to help people in that situation. Thank you so much for calling through. And another anonymous caller, this time from South Australia. Hello, welcome along. Uh, I just wanted to say something about thick skinned. For me, it is a matter of being able to cope with rejection. And this this basic desire that we have to be appreciated and accepted by everybody. And that's something that's sort of a spiritual, um, you know, you need to be willing for Christ's sake to to be able to stand up for people's not agreeing with you. A wonderful insight. Uh, cut you short there, but Graham, a response? Oh, yes, that's, that's very true. We've got to be able to handle rejection. And I agree with you, that is a human characteristic we don't want to be rejected we want people to accept us and uh, it can be very wearing when uh, you get repeatedly people going driving past and giving you the finger and yelling at you and uh, it's only if we are confident in our standing with God that uh, we can cope with that and uh, so yes it, it is a big challenge. Thank you so much for your call. We'll put a line under those calls now. Uh, Time's running short. Uh, One more uh, question. One more. It's a question that's come on our Facebook post today. Remember, the question that we're asking is, do you think having a thick skin and learning to handle critics is a necessary skill for Christians to learn? Uh, Just one more uh, quick comment that came through Facebook. Steve says, and it's a question Uh, Morning, both Neil and Graham. I was just wondering how, when in prison, other inmates received your view, Graham? Did they largely respect it? Yeah, well, that's a good question, Steve. And uh, I wondered that myself, what it would be like, how the men there would respond when they found out why I was there. And uh, to my considerable astonishment, uh, they generally were more sympathetic than I the response from the wider community. I have no idea why that would be the case, but uh, generally, I mean, there were a few instances where some uh, fellows were wanting to beat me up because of why I was there, but they were the exceptions. Most of them were sympathetic and some of them were very sympathetic to why I was there. Well, Graham Preston, we do have to draw things to a close, and I do want to give a couple of websites uh, that uh, people can connect with you. And and we've had times in past years where people have decided to connect with you and stand on the street beside you and feel what it is like to have a day in the life of a Graham Preston. And uh, and some of those uh, have even gone to the point where they themselves have been arrested. So, uh, uh, you know, special honour to people who have done that. Uh, But Graham Preston, a pro-life campaigner, he leads the organisation called Protect Life. Now, it's a little more complicated if you're thinking of a dot-com type situation, but here's how you can connect with Graham on his Protect Life ministry 
protect-life.info. And there's also the Priceless Life Centre that we mentioned that is run by Graham's wife, Liz. Now, the Priceless Life Centre is pricelesslifecentre.org.au. Now, that's for uh, pregnancy help, support for people who are contemplating or who have gone through uh, decisions around abortion. Uh, We haven't mentioned too much in our conversation the fact of the uh, euthanasia Uh, uh, rally that will be coming because the Queensland government is about to vote on its uh, uh, euthanasia legislation. But there is a rally that is being organised by another pro-life group, Cherish Life. No, it's not. It's Uh, No, unfortunately, because of COVID restrictions, that was going to be on the 28th, but that has had to be cancelled. That has been cancelled. Okay. And uh, there is, as you mentioned a little earlier, uh, on the day that there's likely to be a vote, there's going to be a gathering on the street. uh, And uh, let's assume a lawful gathering on the street uh, to make a statement on the day outside the Queensland Parliament. Yes, that's right. So if people would like to join me and some others who will be there, because we just believe it's just so important that before they vote on this, they know there are people that don't want this to happen. And uh, we did mention a little earlier too, the Australian Christian Lobby has an email campaign that you can participate in. And uh, no doubt there's a lot of campaigns going on right now from all of those pro-life organisations. So, but to connect with Graham Preston today, protect-life.info and the Priceless Life Centre website is pricelesslifecentre.org.au. Graham Preston, uh, always an encouragement and uh, always a challenge uh, that you present for listeners when we talk. Thanks so much for joining us again today on 2020. Thank you very much, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 